Hello, one and all. Welcome to Alternate Jersey, the podcast that reimagines your favorite sports moments to find out what could have happened. I'm your host and one of the spiders from Mars, Grant Evan. We are a little over a week away from what is sure to be, or at least might be, a memorable Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. A battle for the soul of Joe Montana. Two franchises looking to end decades-long Super Bowl victory droughts. An ocean of shades of red and yellow and white and ugh. Reaching the Super Bowl can seem like a Herculean task. Many greats go their entire career only seeing the big game only once, if at all. Entire franchises can go years or decades between appearances, and many have yet to even reach the pinnacle of the modern sporting world. To make the Super Bowl, so many things have to go right. Stay healthy, make the right calls, play safe, play aggressively, sign the right people, cut the right people, and sometimes small moments in time can wind up being the principal difference between a Super Bowl or mediocrity. Today we're going to be analyzing two big things that had even bigger consequences for both of these teams. Mere seconds of life that changed the fortunes of these two squads and led them to the very game we get to witness next week. Without these two, glory may still be a ways away. So let us begin in Kansas City. But before we can talk about the Chiefs, we have to talk about the Titans. In 2017, the then-Alex Smith-led Chiefs were hosting a wildcard game against the then-Marcus Mariota-led Titans. The Chiefs got out to a sizable lead, 21-3 to be exact. The game seemed to be in tailspin for Tennessee, and then this happened. The loss of about a half yard on the play, third down and goal. Tennessee in dire need of six and not three. Mariota. Mariota to the line of scrimmage, maybe across the line. It's a flex back to him for a touchdown for the moment. That touchdown, of course, would have ended up counting, and Marcus Mariota scored a touchdown by throwing a TD to himself. The Titans would go on to win the game 22-21 using this play as momentum. This would also mark the official end of the Alex Smith era, as he failed to do anything in the second half to keep the Chiefs' hopes alive. But what if Marcus Mariota didn't catch that ball? The ball gets batted down, the Titans settle for a field goal, mount a respectable attempt at a comeback, but fall short 21-19. The Chiefs win and move on to face the eventual AFC champion Patriots, but then something strange happens. Full disclosure, in my original notation of this timeline, I, of course, had Alex Smith losing to Tom Brady and the eventual AFC champion Patriots, because, duh. The Patriots had been the Chiefs' run-enders every time Smith got KC to the playoffs, but then I started running the simulations on these two teams, and strangely, after running and winning six simulations in a row, the Chiefs win that game. I... I don't know how to explain that, but who am I to argue against the math gods? So the Chiefs win! They upset the number one seeded Patriots and go to Jacksonville to face the best Jaguars team in recent memory, fresh off them upsetting the number two seeded Steelers. This is where Smith's magic run runs out, and the Jags' defense stifles the Chiefs' offense and go to the Super Bowl to face the Eagles. 
a Super Bowl that they win, which means Blake Bortles has a Super Bowl ring as a starter. This puts the Chiefs in a little bit of a pickle. See, the wildcard loss gave KC a great excuse to ship out Smith a year early on his contract and roll with the young hotshot cannon-armed Patrick Mahomes. But with Smith now one game removed from Super Bowl glory, and Mahomes at the time still being an unproven commodity, do you break up the band to try something new, or do you make the assumption that Smith can do it? Well, we can use the real-world AFC runner-ups as an example here. The Jaguars. The Jags made the AFC Championship with the aforementioned Bortles. They gave him one more year to prove himself, and then he didn't. The Chiefs are going to do the same thing here. They will let Alex Smith, at the very least, finish his contract in Kansas City. See, he had one year left, and now he can use that final year to prove, finally, that he can win the Super Bowl. Mahomes sits one more year, which means his MVP season is officially cancelled. Smith and the Chiefs get off to a great start, going 8-3 to start the year, but then Alex Smith faces some rough teams, teams that even Mahomes had to work extra hard to overcome. The Chiefs finish the year 9-7 after a three-game losing streak capped off by a do-or-die win in Week 17 by one Patrick Mahomes. After Smith bombs three games, Mahomes steps in, wins their ninth game easily, but the damage is done. KC is out of the playoffs. This allows the 9-6-1 Steelers to sneak in as a sixth seed and possibly circumvents all that Antonio Brown drama. Maybe. This also means the Chargers grab the number one seed on the heels of a 12-4 record, meaning your new AFC playoff picture in 2018 is number one, the Los Angeles Chargers, number two, the New England Patriots, number three, the Houston Texans, number four, the Baltimore Ravens, number five, the Indianapolis Colts, and number six, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The white-hot Colts blaze through the still-growing Lamar Jackson, while Pittsburgh is able to rally and ward off the Texans. Both wildcard teams move, sending the Colts to New England to meet their grisly fate, while Pittsburgh gets thwarted by fellow 2004 draftee Phillip Rivers. The conference championship is now in Los Angeles, with New England coming to stomp the Chargers that they would have done in our world, but... According to our simulations, the L.A. weather and an actual run game stop the Patriots and the Chargers go to the Super Bowl. It's the L.A. Bowl, Chargers versus Rams. No matter what happens, the city of Los Angeles won't give a single shit. With that in mind, we remember that the Rams' paltry attempts to play football in the Super Bowl on offense combined with how good the Chargers' defense was, and we, at last, get to see Phillip Rivers hoist the Lombardi Trophy. He takes the opportunity to retire and ride off into the sunset and oversee the raising of his baseball team-sized family. The Chiefs naturally let Alex Smith walk in 2019, and suddenly the LA Chargers have a need at quarterback and an incredibly low draft pick. The Chargers signed Smith to a quick contract as he would become one of the more valuable quarterbacks available in that free agency. It's either him or Ryan Fitzpatrick, kids, and at least Smith has playoff wins. Sure, there's an argument that the Chargers could have traded with the Cardinals to get Josh Rosen before Miami did, especially since the 32nd pick may be more valuable than the second rounder Miami gave up, but Arizona doesn't have the number one pick anymore. 
and isn't in a position to draft Kyler Murray. No, with Smith not playing in Washington, the Redskins completely fall apart after failing to lure any respectable free agent quarterback. So they have the number one pick, fire Jay Gruden, and draft Kyler Murray. We've done this before. Jones is still going to the Giants, the Cardinals don't have Cliff as their coach since there was no way they could get Murray, so they decide to stick with Rosen instead of drafting a new quarterback, so what of Dwayne Haskins? The former Buckeye has a dramatic fall and Alex Smith, for the third time in his career, watches his team draft his replacement. Haskins goes 32nd overall to the Los Angeles Chargers. 2019 sees Alex Smith and the now-defending champion Chargers going 9-7, the Smith special, if you will. But of those nine wins, one of them is upending the Ryan Tannehill version of the Titans, forcing Tennessee into an 8-8 record and booking the Chargers the number 6 seed instead of the Titans. With Tennessee out of the playoff picture, the Patriots stomp this weaker version of the Chargers in the first round. That sends the Texans to die at the hands of the Ravens being headlined by MVP Lamar Jackson. But where is Mahomes' Chiefs? Well, Mahomes is great, obviously. He's had two years to rest and has an incredibly similar year to what he just enjoyed. Lamar is the flashier MVP, and Mahomes isn't quite 50 touchdowns good just yet, but his team did grab the number two seed. This means our AFC championship, after Mahomes officially dethrones Brady, is a preview of what the league may look like for years to come. Jackson versus Mahomes. In this battle, fate favors the home team, as Lamar's two years of starter experience beats out Mahomes' one. The Ravens go to the Super Bowl to face the 49ers. I'm sure Chiefs fans realize how lucky they are to have Mahomes and are eternally grateful, but we don't really ever discuss how close they were to keeping Alex Smith for just a little too long. Our next timeline stars the 49ers. The 49ers have reached the Super Bowl on the sheer power of a revitalized defense. A top team in sacks and turnovers, the Niners have imposed their defensive will on the likes of Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, and most recently Aaron Rodgers, forcing him to throw more interceptions in a single game than he had all season. And the catalyst that built this defense, the reason that they are able to operate at such a high level week in and week out, that player that makes all of this possible for them is Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, the quarterback, who scored one of the largest contracts in NFL history after playing just five games in the Bay, is the reason this defense crushes. Don't believe me? Jimmy G basically agrees with me. The unfortunate injury last year, and now a year later, the team is on the brink of a Super Bowl. Do you think that it was a springboard to have you miss a year of experience, a year of reps, and Nick Bosa suddenly pop up on the screen. Well, things have a way of working out. And so uh, <laughs> I always told myself it was a blessing in disguise, you know, the ACL and everything. And uh, yeah, we got Bosa out of it. So, I mean, that's a pretty good trade-off, I guess. Jimmy G's ACL injury put the Niners in quarterback limbo in 2018, forcing the team to a 4-12 record and the number two pick in the draft, which they, of course, as Jimmy Garoppolo just said, used on the disrupting powerhouse that is Nick Bosa, a key figure in their Super Bowl run. But what if Jimmy Garoppolo stayed healthy? The first thing we have to figure out is what Jimmy G's first year as an NFL starter looks like. 
Before the ACL injury, Jimmy had played in three total games, throwing five touchdowns and three interceptions. Using those numbers, we can calculate what Jimmy's numbers would have been. He averages one pick a game and 1.6 touchdowns a game. So taking that over the course of a season, Jimmy throws 26 touchdowns against 16 interceptions. This isn't too far off from his 2019 stat line, where he threw 27 TDs to 13 picks. So this is a pretty viable stat line for his first full season. Now, the Niners stands Jimmy managed to throw 21 touchdowns against 17 picks, leading, of course, to that 4-12 record. Jimmy, with exactly five more touchdowns and one fewer pick, proves to be the difference maker in exactly five more games. See, San Fran lost five fewer games by a score of six or fewer. So with Jimmy tossing the five TDs needed to fix those games, the 49ers go 9-7 and seven and just barely miss the playoffs. However, the Niners' newfound success does shift the fortunes of a few teams. One of those wins was against the Packers. You may remember Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things and reaching deep to beat the 49ers in a big comeback game that season, but now Jimmy G tosses a nail into Green Bay's coffin, giving them a 5-10-1 record. This means instead of pick 12, Green Bay grabs the number 6 pick in the draft. They beat the playoff team Chicago and the Chargers, but the losses don't affect their draft positions. They also beat the Cardinals once, which only further solidifies AZ's number one draft position. And a victory over the Giants moves New York up to pick number five. The Niners have the most dramatic shift, naturally, as instead of pick number two, they now own pick number 19, meaning Nick Bosa does not land in the liberal bastion of the Bay Area, but instead is now facing Tom Brady twice a year as a member of the New York Jets. Quinnen Williams goes to the Raiders, as he's now the best available for the black hole. Jones is to the Giant, but now the Packers are on the board in prime position to fix their defense. The Packers wound up taking outside linebacker Rashawn Gary in our world, but he didn't see much game time due to injury and other starters outplaying him. The Pack, still in need of linebacker help, now used the sixth overall pick to take would-be Jaguar phenom Josh Allen. Don't worry, Jags fans, you'll get Devin Bush instead. So what about the Niners? Bosa wasn't exactly a needed position, but they wanted to get one of those once-in-a-generation type players no matter where he would fit. So assuming they go defensive end here is a bit irresponsible. One position the Niners were in desperate need of, so much so that they took two players of that position during the draft, was wide receiver. Sitting at pick number 19, really needing a go-to guy, and probably not in a comfortable enough position in round 2 to take a promising guy they actually wanted, the Niners instead draft the would-be 32nd overall pick, Nikhil Harry. 49er faithful may have already put together that if their precious team had to take Nikhil here, that likely means they wouldn't get their future number one receiver, Debo Samuel, in this draft. And right they are. With Nikhil Harry and eventually Marquise Brown off the board, the promising Debo ends up going in the first round to the New England Patriots. Remember this one for later. Two of San Fran's biggest playmakers came out of this draft, so let's discuss life without them. Starting with Bosa, the leading defender on the team, he raked in at 9 sacks, 1 pick, 2 fumbles recovered, a whopping 94 tackles, 16 of which are for a loss, and 25 quarterback hits. 
Needless to say, an offense with a lot of firepower could do some real damage with Bosa now out of their backfield to so fuck shit up. Those stats are now with the Jets, keep in mind. The Niners still get Emmanuel Sanders midway through the year, but he still didn't rival Debo Samuel's production. Debo grabbed 802 yards, three receiving touchdowns, and three rushing touchdowns. Without these two alone, even with Kittle and a Cerberus of a running core, without these stats, the Niners are once again at 9-7 and, and out of the playoffs. Important to note that during those four new losses, the Seahawks are going to go 12-4 and four and win the division, and their other rival, the Rams, are going to go 10-6 and six and win the fifth seed. If you're a Vikings fan and wondering how LA goes 10-6 and six and still gets the seed above you with the same record, well, here. Uh, Wildcard ties are settled by conference records, but you both went 7-5 in conference. Then you go to common opponents, and excluding division rivals in this category, the Rams go 3-1 and one in common opponent games while the Vikes go 2-2. Two and two. So, that's how. With the Niners out, the 13-3 Packers and Saints are your top two seeds, with Green Bay grabbing the number one seed, which gives us this playoff picture. Number one, the Green Bay Packers. Number two, the New Orleans Saints. Number three, the Seattle Seahawks. Number four, the Philadelphia Eagles. Number five, the Los Angeles Rams. And number six, the Minnesota Vikings. Like in our last timeline, the wild cards win it. Philly and Seattle are too banged up to compete with the streaking Rams and Vikings. That sends Minnesota to face their third loss to the Packers this season, while the Saints get revenge on the Rams by sending them packing. The NFC Championship is now between the Saints and Packers at Lambeau Field, which proves to be the difference maker for the ugly winning Packers. After 10 simulations, the cold beats the usually domed Saints into submission. The Packers, with Josh Allen, finally have a run defense. And the Packers advance to the Super Bowl against... Well, we gotta talk about the AFC first. Remember, Nick Bosa is a Jet now, and while that could be seen as an eye roll and a perceived waste of talent, consider this. The Jets ended the year 7-9. I know, that sounds weird, but they went 7-9. Bosa's specialty is getting after the quarterback, and this Jets team faced some weak quarterbacks. After grabbing wins against Buffalo, routing the Bills even, and the Jaguars, the Jets improved to a 9-7 record and forced the playoff Bills to third place in the AFC East and out of the playoffs, which also means they have the same record as the would-be 6-seed Titans. And with the Bills gone, the Titans move up to the 5th seed, while the Jets claim the 6th seed, which means the New York Jets are in the playoffs with Nick Bosa. And speaking of the AFC East, if you thought Debo became a number one caliber receiver in San Francisco, just wait until you see what he can do as a Patriot. The Patriots grabbed the number three seed in our world, courtesy of losses to the Texans, Chiefs, and a heartbreaker to the Dolphins. Each of those games were lost by a score of seven or fewer. Debo Samuel got three receiving TDs with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now he has Tom Brady. The Patriots go 14-2, will keep the loss in Kansas City, but they complete their comeback against Houston, and Debo's athleticism allows the Pats to get so far ahead of Miami that they can't seal the deal. 
The loss to Baltimore still means the Ravens have the number one seed, but New England is back with a bye week. So let's discuss these playoffs. Number one, the Baltimore Ravens. Number two, the New England Patriots. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number four, the Houston Texans. Number five, the Tennessee Titans. And number six, the New York Jets. The Jets have Bosa, but the Chiefs have Mahomes, so KC beats the unlikely wildcards, while the Texans end the Titans run before it even starts, just like they did during the regular season. The Texans go get manhandled by the Ravens, while the Patriots enjoy their home field advantage and use their defense to hassle Kansas City. This means a completely different AFC championship between the new guard and Lamar versus the old guard and Brady. This time, with our adjusted rosters, New England overcomes Baltimore and appears in their fourth Super Bowl in a row. Which means we get the long-craved supposed greatest of all time bowl between the winningest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, and the highest rated quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers. And that is what could have happened to our real-world Super Bowl contenders. How do you feel? Do you agree? Disagree? Feel free to call me out or shout me out on Twitter at GrantEvanAJ. Tune in next time for another exciting episode.